0: Out in the foyer and uh, Lisa Marsh came up to me and said, where's your outline? I had the practice of uh, I put out outlines and, and they're always there for the taking. There wasn't an outline. I said, buy a book. It's in the book. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if she did or not. But, you know, it does remind me of a man. He was preaching and, and he did such a, a great job in a sermon. A lady came up to him and said, man, I would love you need to publish your work. And he said, well, I plan to do that, but I plan to do it posthumously. And she said, well, the sooner the better. (laughs) The book is published. So anyway, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us the reason of the hope that is within us. And we're to answer that with meekness and with fear. The relevancy of that passage, um, the, the uh, focus of that passage, the pertinence of that passage is just as strong and relevant today as it has ever been. The people in the first century needed to sanctify Jesus in their hearts. We need to do the same today. And while the statement is very straightforward, sanctify the Lord in your heart. While that's a very straightforward statement and we can't miss the obligation... I do suspect that maybe the application of that may not be so straightforward. What does it mean to sanctify? You know, we don't use certain words very frequently, and unless we have a religious vocabulary, terms like that might stump us. What is exactly meant by that? What am I supposed to do? How do I sanctify the Lord in my heart? And I want to share with you tonight, well, three things that will help us in remembering what it means to sanctify the Lord in our heart, it's an obligation, divine obligation that we have, and I don't want to ignore that. But in order to do what this passage asks me to do in First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen, I have to do three things. I believe. Well, first of all, let me just tell you this: the word "sanctify" means to, to set apart. It has to do with consecration. It has to do with holiness. Um, in fact, a form of the word is used and translated as the word holy in your Bibles. The idea of sanctification is the idea of taking something that maybe it was once used for everyday, ordinary purposes, but now you have a sanctified purpose for you. You set it aside and you use it for something different, and that's what Jesus expects us to do with our lives. We're to be sanctified people, people who once lived ordinary lives for ordinary things and pursued ordinary goals. We now have a set-apart goal, purpose for our lives. And we need to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. And in order to do that, let's just talk about what, what we must do. Well, first of all, let me say one more thing. I just want to mention this as well. The whole concept of sanctification, I think, can be summed up when you read of Paul's statement in Philippians. Do you remember when he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain? He said, I'm in a straight between two things. I I know, man, I'd like to die and just go on to be with the Lord, but I know there's another side that it's needful for me to be here because I can help you. But I'm telling you, if I live... I live for Christ, and if I die, I die for Christ. For me to live is Christ. That's sanctification. Paul said the same thing in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That's sanctification a number of years ago there was a lady that i knew and um well i teased her she was an older lady she was uh 96 maybe when she passed away 97 i I used to tease when we had people that would come and visit church i'd tell them or introduce them to her and i'd say she used to date alexander campbell and uh (laughs) but uh anyway she she was dying She's in the hospital. I got a call from her family. I went to the hospital, and and uh, she had had time to say her final goodbyes uh, to her family. This this is a lady that obeyed the gospel before she was a teenager, and has lived up into the mid higher nineties, and all of that time she was faithful to God. And she sad, had time to tell her family the things that she wanted to tell her family. And uh, when I got to the hospital, we had a prayer at her bedside. And one of the things that I talked about in that prayer is you've, you've been able to say what you need to say to your friends, your family. Uh, you can stop fighting. You know, you, you have finished this course and finished it well. And when I said, literally, when I said, amen, that little monitor, with that little heartbeat thing, it just flatlined, and she left this world. But here's a woman who had lived from the time that she was 11 years old to the time that she was 95, 96 years old, and she lived them for the Lord. That's sanctification. How do we set apart a place in our hearts for Jesus Christ? Well, I think sanctification requires at least three things. And that's what I'm going to share with you for the rest of the time. Number one, sanctification requires a separation. There has to be a separation. And that separation can be, well, I think better understood if we just remember four little prepositions. We need to be separated from the world. Remember what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter six. How can light have fellowship with darkness? Uh, you know, there's there's you've got to come out and and be separate, come out from among them and be separate. So there's a separation when I obey the gospel, when I give my life to Jesus, I have to separate myself from the world. So there's a separation from and there's a separation also to God. First Peter two and verse nine. Tells us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. We separate ourselves to Him. We give ourselves to Him. And so sanctification requires a separation from the world. It's to God. And it's for God's glory. First Corinthians 10 and verse 31. Also, 1 Timothy or 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, the latter part. After he says that we're God's own possession, his own people, it says that we might proclaim the praises of him who saved us. Separation. We are separated to bring glory to God. And then finally, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 says that we have been sanctified by the offering of his body, the body of Jesus. That's how we have been set apart. And so sanctification requires separation. If I am to be sanctified, I have to separate myself from the world to God for the purpose of bringing glory to His name and by the blood of Jesus. That's the only way it can happen. But let me tell you, sanctification is a challenge. And if you don't believe that, look around. The idea of separating oneself from the world isn't as easy as it is to just get up and say. Because I believe that in many places, there's a need for greater separation among God's people. Separation from the world. While I can't leave the world, Jesus does ask me to live in the world, but not to be of the world. I see a need for more separation. I think worldliness is a scourge in the church today. I don't see that we're all that threatened by religious error as much as we are from within in terms of godly, separated living from the world. Go on, just for an example, go to Facebook. And you see people who have this, you know, here's their profile on Facebook, and they love God, and they love Jesus, and the Bible's their favorite book, and they have all this listing here, and it's, it, wow, man, it looks great. And then you just read a little bit further, and they like what as their favorite movie? They, they enjoy what as a pastime? What's their, what do they do? Go look at their pictures and see the activities that are presented in their pictures, and then you say, how can you say what you say and practice the things that dishonor the God you say you love? Somehow there's a disconnect. It's not registering to people. They put on Jesus, they become a child of God, they're baptized, and they don't understand the separation that God requires of them. If they understand it, they're not doing it very well. We need to understand that separation, godly living, is required. I think the greatest challenge to the church today has to do with the idea of worldliness. Um, Impure dress, impure speech, materialism, base entertainment choices, And, again, the list can go on and on. Listen, the Apostle Peter said, you need to sanctify the Lord in your heart. And that means separating ourselves from the world. And we need to be about that. This quote really bothers me. I read a book not too long ago by the name, a man by the name of David Burcott. And in the book, he was writing about what second-century Christians believed and practiced and compared that to some of the things that were taking place in in the 21st century. One of the things that he said is that now 2,000 years since the beginning of the church, there are some people who are trying to restore New Testament Christianity and go back to the simplicity of New Testament Christianity. And he mentioned us in his book. He's not a member of the church, but he mentioned us. In the book, and he had some very good things to say about what we're trying to do about going back to the Bible and letting the Bible be our only guide. We don't have creeds, we don't have uh, you know councils or synods or anything. We just go back to the Bible and let it be our guide. But here's one of the things that he said as he wrapped up his little section about us. He said this: These thing, or, or excuse me, he said, um, well, I've lost the quote. Well, where is his There, here's his quote. The movement now focuses more on primitive doctrine and ordinances than on holy living and inward life. Man, I hate that. I hate that he would look at us and say, you know what, those folks are really concerned about getting every I dotted and every T crossed but they're not nearly as in tune with holy living. Now, I'd like to just dismiss what he had to say and say that's just not true. But I can't so readily dismiss it because I've seen some of the same things that he's talking about. How many churches would never allow, never tolerate for a second some unauthorized practice or doctrine to work its way into the assembly and into the worship? We wouldn't put up with it. We wouldn't stand for it. But how intolerant would these churches be if it was a matter of attitude and not of doctrine or not of practice? Aren't attitudinal responsibilities teachings of Jesus as well? Can't we, uh, can not we uh, throw love out the window as long as we have our doctrine right? Can we throw love out the window? Of course not. I want us to sanctify the Lord God in our heart, and that means that we separate ourselves from worldly living. We separate ourselves from the world. And I'll tell you, the world needs a separated people to shine as lights to them, so that they can find the way out of the darkness they're in. We have the light. Let's live as sanctified people. Second, sanctification also requires consecration. Consecration is a word that has to do with loyalty. It's a word that has to do with commitments. You can see an example of sanctification in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Macedonians. They, you know, Paul was trying to take up a collection for some poor among the Judean saints, and and uh, he went to them, and they were in deep poverty, but they gave out of their deep poverty to help those Judean brethren. And he said, eh, it's not just the money, though, with these folks. Not only did they give, but they gave of themselves first. That's the idea of consecration. It is loyalty. It is commitment. And I'll tell you what, you see another example of it in Revelation chapter 3. Where Paul was talking, or uh, Jesus was talking about the church at Laodicea. And this is a church that failed and lacked in sanctification and consecration because they were lukewarm. And he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than what you are. This lukewarm stuff, it just makes me sick. I'd spew you out of my mouth. Want no part of this kind of thing. If we're to sanctify the Lord God in our heart, we have To be committed, we have to let the world know where our loyalties lie. And again, we might ask ourselves just as there may be a problem with sanctification or a challenge of sanctification in our life, separating ourselves from the world, could there be a challenge of consecration in our life? Well, when missionaries in foreign lands, have to come back to the States. Not because they want to, but because the funds aren't there anymore and they just can't. And while they have to come back and we live in luxury, there's a problem with consecration. When Sunday night attendance is half or two th- or, or a third of what Sunday morning was, There's a problem with consecration. When we complain over the length of a a service, a worship service, but man, overtime in sports, that's just bonus. That's great. There's a problem with consecration. When we accept all the blessings that come from God and we pray and we ask Him these blessings and our lives are richly blessed and our prayers are answered. When we receive all these blessings and we fail to say thank you, there's a problem with consecration. When my social calendar takes precedence and trumps my religious obligations and Jesus never wins when they're placed side by side, there's a problem with our consecration. Listen, folks, being a follower of Jesus requires more than just a separation from sin. It involves a loyalty and commitment to Jesus. And if we're not doing that as well, we're not serving the Lord. Just staying away from sin isn't enough. Do you remember the story that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 12 when he said about the, the man who had the unclean spirit and he was cast out and he went away and that man, oh, the spirit, the unclean spirit is gone. And that spirit was gone for a little bit and decided to come back. And when he came back, he found the house empty, swept, and clean, Jesus says. And he just took up residence again. Well, why did he take up residence again? Because it was empty. Oh, it was clean. He had swept it out. The, The bad things had been, you know, brushed outside, but it was left empty, and it gave room for that demon to come back. It's one thing to say, I have been redeemed from sin. I'm not going to do sin anymore. I repent of my sins. My next question is, well, what are you going to do right? How are you going to do service to the Lord? I once heard a story about a man who was uh, arrested for fighting. And the judge called him up on the stand and said, now listen. Listen you have any character witnesses? He said, well, the sheriff, for one. And the sheriff stood up and said, I can't can't be a character. I don't even know that man. And he said, see, if I was a bad guy, that sheriff would have known me. I've never been in trouble. Well, he thinks that just by not getting in trouble, that's character. That's not character. Character is when you take an act of participation. In that which is good. Jesus calls us to more than just avoid sin. He calls us to righteousness and holy living. Sanctify the Lord in your heart means that I've got to separate myself from the world and I have to consecrate myself to Jesus. And third and last is that sanctification requires holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Be holy. For I am holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And if you think you can, you're fooling yourselves. We live in a time when there's a lot of deception in the world, and probably the worst deception is when we deceive ourselves. And and people have deceived themselves into thinking, I think that I can have Jesus as my Savior, but not as my Lord. Man, I'm going to get baptized, I'm going to turn from sin, I'm going to place Jesus on in baptism, and all of my sins are forgiven, and He becomes my Savior, and I'm saved from my sins. Yeah, all that's true. But then what? What do you mean, then what? There is a then what. How are you going to live your life? Sanctification requires holiness. We have to pursue righteousness and holiness and godliness, and we can't just simply uh, live unholy lives. I know that we all sin, and sin will plague us to the day we die. Sin will be a constant battle and struggle. and Romans chapter seven says so, but you know the difference in one who struggles with sin and one who gives in to sin is vast. As a child of God, I'll never rid myself of sin. There will always be times when I stumble, when i just careless. Um, I do things, I say something without thinking, and I make a mistake, and and it's sin. But there's a great difference in the child of God who's trying to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and who occasionally stumbles than the one as described in Romans 6 and verse 14 wherein sin has dominion over them. As a child of God, I need to sanctify the Lord God in my heart, and that means I need to be holy. I'll never be sinless, but I can strive to be holy. And listen, the longer we live, the better we should get at this. I'm not saying we're ever going to expunge sin completely from our lives, but as you mature, some of the desire of your past wanes in the presence of Jesus. I have once remember I was on a lectureship in Kentucky. One of the speakers on that lectureship got up and made this statement. He said, you know what? Our problem is that we haven't been teaching the gospel to young people. Well, that got my attention. He said, here's what what our problem and our our mistake has been. We have been telling our young people, don't do this, don't do that. We've been saying no. Instead of saying no, we need to be teaching them not what not to do, but we need to be teaching them that God is gracious and He forgives. Folks, I think that's about as bankrupt as can be. Of course we need to teach God is gracious and He forgives, but to the exclusion of saying don't? As I recall, the Ten Commandments had quite a few thou shalt nots in them, right? It's okay to say don't. It's okay to say that if you want to be holy, there are things you cannot do, and there are things that you must do if we're to sanctify jesus in our heart we need to live holy lives i think if if there's if things get out of balance and if it's true what i've heard a lot of people say that there was a time when we weren't talking a whole lot about grace and everything was about uh holy living and and you know pulling yourself up by your bootstrap i don't know that that's necessarily the case and maybe a misunderstanding but if there was ever a time when we leaned heavy Heavier on work than on grace, I think we live in a time when the pendulums swung just as far the wrong direction, the other direction. I think there are people that aren't too concerned about holy living because they're trusting in the safety net of God's grace. They're not dedicating themselves and buckling down, trying to imitate Jesus and conform their lives to him because they say, "Ah, after all, grace." Listen, I believe in grace. And without it as you know as Sam preached this morning so well, we are no better than the worst sinner without Jesus. But the grace of God will not save you in spite of yourself. You have to cooperate. There has to be a desire on our part to be conformed to the image of Jesus. God won't save you against your own will. And so balance. We need to teach our obligations, our holy living. But at the same time, we need to thank God for His grace. Sanctification, well, it's both a state and a process. The moment you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are sanctified by the Lord. You're saved from your past sins. You are set apart for a holy purpose. There is an immediate state of sanctification the moment you obey. But it is also, at the same time, not just a state, but it's a process that is to last the entirety of your life. We work at and mature and become more and more sanctified as we mature and grow up in Christ. The more I allow myself to be conformed to the image of Jesus, Romans 8 and 29, the more I'm sanctified and the more I'm sanctifying Him in my heart. Listen, for our sakes, we better get busy at the job of sanctification. You won't see God if you fail to sanctify Jesus in your life. And I'll go one further and say this, not only must we be sanctified or sanctify the Lord in our heart for our own sake, but you're not going to have any substantive influence on the world unless you get busy to the task of sanctification. Maybe someone's here tonight and they have come to the conclusion, hey, I need to do better. I haven't been sanctified as I should. The Bible says do it, and I haven't really done it that well. I've been coasting. Well, the good thing about God is He's forgiving. God is merciful. He delights in it. Micah chapter 7, and verse 18. If you're here tonight and you need the prayers of your brethren to be stronger, more faithful, more sanctified in His service, we'll pray to that end. And if you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God and you need to make that decision tonight and you want to start now and be sanctified by the Lord through obedience to Christ, placing your faith in Him, turning from your sin and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we'll assist you in that as well if you'll come as we stand together and sing.